Okay, so we're back, and we're going to be talking about how this rabbi um, is a pure example of what happens when you are brainwashed by the Talmud, okay? And people will say, are you trying to push religion on us? No, but I'm trying to show you how they, how the, um, I put this, uh, I'm trying to show you how they view non-Jews, okay? I'm trying to show you how not only do they show this towards uh, Christians, but this is their view of um, how they view people who are not like them. And I will get into that as soon as I finish reading this article. Rabbi says Christians should be worshiping one Jew they should be worshiping all of us. Israeli rabbi Chaim Richman has told Christians that they shouldn't be worshiping one Jew, Jesus Christ, but should actually be worshiping all of us Jews because we're dying for your sins right now. Are you serious? The director of the Temple Institute made the remarks during his podcast on Monday as he addressed Israel's war with Gaza. This grotesque supremacy is expressed by Rabbi Sham Richman, a former director of the Temple Institute, one of the extreme Jewish groups whose mission is to build the third temple. Yeah. Um, many of you don't believe in the end times. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it's really happening. Let's get into it. I just want to say this to our Christian friends, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just to, just to call it as it is and say it straight out, you know, you, you guys are worshiping one Jew. That's a mistake. You should be worshiping every single one of us because we all die for your sins every single day. And that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. We're, we're all God's first burner. We're dying for your sins right now. This is the thing that disgusts me, all right? These people are the ones that, you know, want things from you. And in return... If you ask to borrow, if you ask to get money from them, you know, in need of help or, you know, people uh, who are not Jewish go to their country for um, for work. You know, to just have a better life. You expel them. You mistreat them. You call them the N word, especially the black Jews. All right. This is basically. um Talmud behavior, in effect, this is supremacy. Basically, that's what the Talmud is. It's basically Jewish supremacy. And this guy right here just nods his head. He doesn't challenge it. He does no pushback. He just nods his head. I, I don't think he understands that he looks at you like an animal. All right? And sad to say, a lot of Christians are just really, they're really slow. They are very, very slow. Okay? You just support, support Israel, support Israel, support Israel. Never mind the crimes that Israel is committing, their government. Never mind the sterilization of um, black Hebrew women that just came out in the, uh, 2021 or 2020. All right. Never mind that. 
Never mind that they have rabbis who commit pedophilia and then run to Israel to evade capture. And the, the church doesn't speak up about that at all. Just give money to Israel, support Israel. Very disgusting. Because, because the Jewish people in the land of Israel are the bulwark right. against the orcs, mm -hmm. okay? The orcs are coming not to a theater ne near you, but to your home. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, you want to call them orcs, but what, what do you do? What do you do? You okay, pedophilia. Okay? You could look through um, some news articles years ago about how it's a big incident in New York City with rabbis caught in pedophilia in their synagogue. And it was really a big scandal. They were arrested, but guess what? The rabbis went off to Israel to escape justice. I just want to say to this to our Christian friends, just to call it as it is and say it straight. You guys are worshiping one Jew. That's a mistake. You should be worshiping every one of single one of us because we all die for your sins every single day. Richmond said, and that's exactly what's going on here. We're all God's firstborn and we're dying for your sins right now because the Jewish people in the land of Israel are the bulwark against the orcs. Okay. The orcs are coming to the, not to a theater near you, but to your home. Really? This is from a people who uh, believe in their Talmud more than their Torah, that you could lie, steal, cheat, steal, even kill someone who's non-Jew. Information Liberation reports this grotesque supremacy is expressed by Rabbi Cham Richman, a former director of the Temple Institute, one of the extreme Jewish groups whose mission is to build the Third Temple. Keith Woods noted on Twitter, formerly X, formerly known as Twitter. Groups like this are responsible for rising tensions in the Holy Land, where they are forced Muslim and Christian worshipers out of their holy sites. Supremacists like this have the support of the Israeli government. Okay, the same Israeli government that will ask you for money. Okay, and then when you, you want to play, when foreigners want a place to stay in Israel, they want to work there, they want to become Israeli citizens, you tell them no. You mistreat them. And for the black ones, you call them the N-word. In the days before the war broke out, video, or video after video was going viral of Jews in Israel spitting on Christians and attacking them in the streets for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Netanyahu's top police official, National Security Minister Ben Griver, defended their vile acts as not criminal. Now, what does this have to do with the rest of it? The point of the matter is they're doing this to them. They'll do this to you. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. People need to understand that. All right. And this type of supremacy is coming to America through those Noahide laws. All right. Because according to their Talmud and the Zohar, when their Messiah comes back, they will have gentile slaves that's anyone 
who's not Jewish in their eyes. This is, you know, the only thing missing is the fact that they're not having a, uh, not wearing uh, Ku Klux Klan uniforms. Okay. This is all the Talmud. And they're teaching their kids this. Your daughter's a dog. You're going to get hurt. Shocking video going viral on social media shows a large group of Jewish children cursing and insulting two Christian female missionaries in Israel with their parents' full support. <laughs> what's going on <clears throat> this is what's going on i imagine i imagine when they feel the gusto when they got the gall to come to the black community or any community and feel they could do this to you all right you laugh at them doing this to christians but they'll do it to you because they don't care they look at you as a slave and they're getting real bold with it ben giver had previously defended the act of spitting on christians as an ancient jewish custom the middle east I would I noted. Okay. Salavitohon Lomi Itamar Bengvir or Loy Givalaze, it but Uchelo can bereshet bet imulazar lavin lama. Oh hold on one second, my bad.
Okay. Ancient Roman statues were toppled and destroyed just last week, and a statue of Jesus was desecrated earlier this year by a Jewish supremacist who said, we cannot worship stones of false gods in Jerusalem. Earlier this year, the two influential members of the Israeli Kesanet introduced a bill of law to outlaw teaching the gospel and sentencing violators to prison. Now, it's getting a little, I'm going to show you um, a video on the... Uh, On the Talmud, where is this all coming from? Here we go. Palestine to discover their spiritual roots. Yet today, it is not just the religious, mankind in general is turning its attention toward this land. Most of us realize that if World War III erupts, it could begin right here in a collision between Arab and Jew. What are the causes of this conflict between Arab and Jew? A conflict which never seems to go away. Before Zionist settlers came here around the turn of the century, this region was not particularly known for strife. Yet since then, it has known little but strife. Is there something within Judaism itself which acts as an abrasive on this land? To answer that question, we don't need to make another pilgrimage to Palestine. We don't need to visit historic sites or Jewish shrines. Instead, since Judaism is very much a religion of its literature, we need to go where its most sacred teachings are preserved. We need to go to a synagogue, in particular, the library of a synagogue. In every synagogue library, we find hundreds of books but there are a few which tower above the rest in authority. These include the Encyclopedia Judaica, the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, the Jewish Encyclopedia. In the oldest of these, the Jewish Encyclopedia, we encounter fascinating new perspectives on the inner teachings of Judaism, perspectives which are well known to most religious Jews, but unknown to Christians. Most Christians believe that the Judaism of the Old Testament is very similar to Judaism today. Yet the Jewish Encyclopedia, in its article on Judaism, says modern Judaism and the Judaism of the Old Testament are very different. It says that after Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah in the 6th century B.C. and led the Jews to distant Babylon, the Jews were faced with challenges to their faith they had never before experienced. Ever since the time of Solomon, the religion of Israel had centered around the magnificent temple in Jerusalem with its sacrifices and ritual. The question now became, how could one be a true Jew in a very foreign, even hostile environment? The need arose for a certain class of lay priests called scribes or sophorum to interpret the law in this new setting and make it workable. In time, these scribes became what the New Testament calls the scribes and Pharisees, the greatest legal authorities of Israel for all ages. The Pharisees said there were really two inspired revelations to the Jews. There was the written law of Moses received atop Sinai, but there was also the oral tradition acquired by 70 elders who came to the base of the mountain but were forbidden to proceed farther. 
The Pharisees said that these 70 elders, or Sanhedrin, received a much more extensive and profound revelation than Moses, a revelation which was never written down, yet took precedent over the written law. When Jesus came on the scene, his reaction was to bitterly denounce this counterfeit tradition. Christ said the Pharisees, by their tradition, had made the law of God of none effect. He considered the Pharisees the most dangerous leadership Israel ever had. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Although Jewish sects such as the Sadducees now disappeared, the Pharisees emerged with even greater power over the Jewish people. The Jewish Encyclopedia describes the new role of the Pharisees. With the destruction of the temple, the Sadducees disappeared altogether, leaving the regulation of all Jewish affairs in the hands of the Pharisees. Henceforth, Jewish life was regulated by the Pharisees. The whole history of Judaism was reconstructed from the Pharisaic point of view. Pharisaism shaped the character of Judaism and the life and thought of the Jew for all of the future. In 135 AD, all Jews were expelled from Palestine. The Pharisees led most Palestinian Jews in a mass migration back to Babylon. The majority of Jews were already in Babylon and had been since the time of Nebuchadnezzar 600 years earlier. Yet around 140 AD, Babylon became the acknowledged land of refuge for world Jewry. For another thousand years, Judaism flourished in Babylon under the leadership of the Pharisees. Great academies of the rabbis were established and thousands of new laws formulated. There, those same Pharisees who killed Jesus Christ remained the undisputed rulers of Judaism. In Babylon, the Pharisees codified their oral traditions into the Babylonian Talmud, the written form of that oral tradition which Jesus so bitterly rebuked. The Talmud reveals how deep was Israel's apostasy. In her beginning, God gave the Hebrews the loftiest, the most upright literature and ethics the world has ever known. Yet when they turned their backs on him, they produced the Talmud, a work which has aptly been called a monument to human folly. The Talmud also helps us understand the basis for Christ's unflattering descriptions of the Pharisees. Jesus described the Pharisees as hypocrites, children of hell, blind guides, whited sepulchers, full of dead men's bones. He even described the Pharisees as as children of their father the devil, a murderer from the beginning. The Talmud confirms Christ's words. In the Talmud, in Treatise Sanhedrin, an extensive passage describes the right of the Pharisee to kill anyone, just as long as he did so indirectly. As one of dozens of examples, the Talmud tells us that if one bound his neighbor and he... They, they already they have a Sanhedrin court now. They have a Sanhedrin court in Israel to perform those Noahide laws. The end times are real. Died of starvation, he is not liable to execution. In such an indirect manner, the Pharisees also killed Christ. Manipulating the Romans to actually wield the spear and sword, the Pharisees claimed, as their descendants do today, that since the Romans were the direct cause of the death of Christ, it is the Romans, not the Jews, who are guilty. Christ also called the Pharisees adulterers, an adulterous generation. The Talmud provides generous loopholes for adultery. 
It says the penalty for adultery does not include sex with a minor, the wife of a minor, or the wife of a heathen. The Talmud also encourages seduction of unwed adolescent girls called designated bondmaids. But it's important how such rapes are performed. With the designated bondmaid, one is guilty only in the case of natural connection, but not in the case of perverse connection. The Pharisees reasoned that rape in a perverted manner is outside the jurisdiction of the law. Normal rape, however, was punishable. In Babylon, sexual perversion of... This is what the Talmud says, and this is what goes on in Israel. ...of every kind had been a way of life for millenniums. The Pharisees were deeply influenced by such practices. In three of the major treatises of the Talmud are found extensive passages which give legal endorsement to seduce and marry three-year-old baby girls. In fact, many of the greatest rabbis of the Talmud including Simeon ben Yohai, upheld this privilege. Today in Israel, thousands of Jews go to Meron every year to venerate the memory of Simeon ben Yohai. In one of dozens of endorsements of child sex, Simeon ben Yohai said, a proselyte under the age of three years and a day is permitted to marry a priest. Agreeing with Ben-Yohai, the great Rabbah said, When a grown-up man has intercourse with a little girl, it is nothing. Or when the girl is less than this, three years and a day, it is as if one put the finger into the eye. The footnote to this passage says, As tears come to the eye again and again, so does virginity come back to the little girl under three years. The same section confirms that sexual activity with small boys is in the same category. The intercourse of a small boy is not regarded as a sexual act. In addition to adulterers, Christ, in the story of the Good Samaritan, portrayed the Pharisees as racial bigots, too self-righteous to respond to the suffering of one who was not a Jew. It is true because of the wickedness of the Canaanites, which included sodomy and infant sacrifice, Israel had been commanded by God to be harsh in her treatment of the inhabitants of the land. God made it clear that the Canaanites were not simply to be avoided, but destroyed. By the time of the New Testament, this method of preserving God's kingdom by separation and the sword had become obsolete. God no longer made a racial difference between men. But the Pharisees were unfazed by God's new agenda. The Talmud was finally written down nearly five centuries after Christ, yet it's critical even homicidal attitudes toward Gentiles might have been lifted out of the book of Joshua. However, the quickest way to grasp the Talmudic view of Gentiles is not directly from the Talmud, but from the Jewish encyclopedias. If we quote an isolated opinion from the Talmud, a rabbi may quickly object, saying, but that is not the overall opinion of the Talmud. That is not the definitive view. What the Jewish encyclopedia provides us is a definitive overview of perhaps hundreds of rabbinic statements on any subject, giving us accurate summaries of what the Talmud generally teaches. In its article on Gentiles, the Jewish Encyclopedia begins to define what makes a Jew so different from a Gentile. According to the rabbis, only Israelites are men. Gentiles they class not as men, but as barbarians.
Since Gentiles are not men in the fullest sense, so the Gentile is not a neighbor of a Jew. Further, since Gentile laws were too crude to admit of reciprocity, meaning too crude to be taken seriously, the Gentile was forever beneath the Jew. This is how why they could say the things they say. <clears throat> and they feel that way about a lot of people. These, these are the types of people who um, had, had a hand in uh, the slavery of blacks. All right. These are the people that think that we are animals, whether you're black, white, you're non-Jewish. That's how they see you. Okay. This is why that Jewish rabbi could say, you're worshiping one Jew. You, you should worship all of us, every single one of us. This is crazy. This is the type of supremacy that they not only have for Christians, but for non-Jews alike. They think they are above the court. And sad to say, the power that they have, the Ashkenazi, they feel like they have that, that right because they control what you see about Israel. And they frame it in a way that makes Israel looks like the victim. Yet Israel is bulldozing houses, kicking out people, putting them homeless. And the Jews and the Arab have the same blood in them. Okay. And the land should be shared. But unfortunately, due to the, uh, the Talmud belief teaching, that is what they aspire to, to take and to dominate and to destroy. Gentiles were outlawed by God from the beginning and thus had no property rights. The Almighty offered the Torah to the Gentile nations also, but since they refused to accept it, he withdrew his shining legal protection from them and transferred their property rights to Israel, who observed his law. Since the Talmud outlawed the child, or issue of a Gentile, as that of a beast, a Gentile had as little legal rights in a Jewish court as did an animal. The Talmud states that if a Gentile sue an Israelite, the verdict is for the defendant, the Israelite. Conversely, if the Israelite is the plaintiff, he obtains full damages. Because the Talmud conspires against Gentiles, if a Jew was ever caught telling a Gentile what the Talmud really says, such a person deserves death. So vile was the nature of a Gentile that the great Simeon ben Yohai said, the best among the Gentiles deserves to be killed. That's basically it right there. All right. 